0: Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us for this episode of Threat Talk. I'm your host, Bob Hansman. Now, artificial intelligence is showing up in everything these days. Um, I have a friend who paid over $400 for a toaster that had AI in it so that it could perfectly make 35 different kinds of toasts. Um, And I'll admit I'm kind of questioning uh, my friendship with this person after learning about that, but it's crazy where AI is coming up. And it's not always just marketing and cybersecurity is no different. Now, with the term AI uh, showing up pretty much in every vendor's material now, um, this can make it hard to understand where we might be seeing real AI innovation and where someone might just be renaming their old machine learning technology. Um, Now, to help us work through some of this from a cybersecurity perspective, uh, we have a couple of guests today who are driving the development of different security tools Using AI and then having it play a big role in their project plans. So, uh, this is uh, product managers from Infoblox, Karthik uh, Harnas and David Seaman. Thank you both for joining us.
1: Thanks, Bob. Very glad to be with you.
0: All right. And uh, actually, uh, I think I've had uh, David on before, but Karthik, I think this is your premier uh, role. So, thank you for joining us. I'm sure we'll have you back a few more times uh, because you got a lot of stuff going on with AI. Um, I really want to drill into that. But to kick this off, since, uh, again, about a third or a half of our audience uh, from episode to episode are really in the early parts of their career, I want to just back off a bit and ask, uh, we'll start with Karthik, your opinion on machine learning versus AI. I mean, when AI first came out, it was going to be something different. Um, and now they're like different levels or tiers or, you know, I mean, Uh, And and then we have smart, right? Everybody had their smart TVs. What's our vocabulary here when it comes to machine learning and AI?
1: Oh Yeah, Uh, happy to discuss that uh, differentiation between AI and ML because it's been, as you said, everywhere, any any, (laughs) document, you couldn't uh, get any of the emails or uh, uh, web pages without passing through an AI uh, content in there. So people use the word um, AI very loosely, but um, the definition hasn't changed much. AI is, um, from the start, it has been um, a domain wherein it allows machines or any of the computers to be um, doing what humans are supposed to either see, interpret, talk, and all those things with all the abilities that human um, brain can do. That's the science. That's the domain. That's the overarching part. But within that, there are several means to do that. And one would be, uh, it includes all the robotics, natural language processing, machine learning, everything. And the machine learning part is one subset of the AI part. And it is one means to allow machine gain some intelligence using the data, allow machines to extract the knowledge out of the data and then learn on its own and accomplish those uh, abilities to um, become a human. But that is one means, to, um, one means to accomplish that, but that's specific to a task. Machine learning is a specific to a task, but AI is overarching, um, I would say a domain or a science that brings um, machines to um, equivalent of what human could do, pre-processing, reasoning, and even learning and everything.
0: Yeah, because I know that before everybody started throwing around the AI term, I mean, we've had GPS software for a long time that will automatically take masses of amounts of data and figure out not just, you know, where this place is, but the best routes to get there, you know, depending on whether you're willing to spend money and all of that. Um, So they use massive amounts of data. But, you know, we didn't call that AI. That was just a smart system. And then we have, you know, uh, you know, it's not just uh, natural language interpretation, but. You have Siri and, and Alexa that talk and sound like humans. So um, I'm glad you were able to break that out.
1: So all these, uh, say for GPS, it uses um, a global positioning system, uses a satellite to help us out, navigate the system. But uh, the Siri and other um, um, agents that we had allows you to, um, uh, communicate in natural language and but these are all still um can be a part of AI but not necessarily a complete new AI that's been in the um, uh, generation AI uh, gen ai that we are talking about that's the talk of the town the bus right now because these are more uh, predefined or pre-coded as to a um, uh, command and control kind of a center if you ask something that it is not pre-trained or pre-coded with city uh, would come back and say I don't know about it or it would have to go back to the internet and um, Look at it. But nonetheless, um, um, they are not um, they are not something that is a full blown AI context wherein it cannot replace human being. They are thinking, their reasoning part. Those are the stuff where we are getting ourselves into. That's where the new AI is, which is a gen AI, um, generative AI.
0: Well, and you mentioned uh, large language models, which of course again is now, you know, people think, oh, large language, models. you're talking about AI. And yet even machine learning as you mentioned, requires a lot of data. And it's the the level of intelligence depends on what data it has um, available to it. Um, I, but I think you know the whole concept of large language models probably became popular uh, around everybody getting hyped about chat GPT. But um, so taking our machine learning, which depends on data, like the GPS systems and all that, these very fine, focused kinds of tools, um, you know, where does large language models take us? Uh, Is
1: is that really a different thing? Is it taking data to a whole new level? It absolutely is. Uh, So um, the context on uh, why the hype on the AI, um, AI was there a long time back, right? Uh, From the days of uh, Skynet, uh, Jarvis, we all know all these things. It's just the fact that um, suddenly the um, gen AI democratized this because uh, anyone can query. Um, It has a way of uh, ability to take inputs through natural language and um, provide you answer in a way that it is so lively. Because uh, depending on your prompt, if you change a single uh, single word in your prompt, it totally changes the um, uh, context and it, uh, it uh, understands that context that it changed and then provides you a very lively answer. And that's where it really differs from what the Siri or uh, you know the um, uh, Google, all those uh, other um, uh, home agents that we had before. It differs from that because uh, it is trained in such a way in a very uh, large language model that's the LLM part. What happens is over there, it is trained on so many different parameters that you unimaginable, like uh, 150 billion several hundred billions of parameters in the new models that comes out that allows them to understand the context of each and every keyword that you input. Um, it's called prompt. And um, the prompt engineering itself is a special engineering as to how you question them is very, very important. It's a skill set for all of us to learn. And then once you uh, input that, that derives the context and adds word-based diffusion and uh, generative models to it, that allows you to um, um, provide an answer that is more appropriate to the context that you're talking about. So it definitely is getting closer from the context of um, ability to understand what you're asking, not like a prior machine-based what, this is what I'm programmed to, this is what I'm going to answer about. But depending on the situation, it can, um, it can provide you an answer for that question that you asked very applicable to what you're asking and also gaining more strength is um they are as we train these things with the deep learning models these are the subset that we talked about the generative ai is part of a subset in the deep learning model within the machine learning uh, segment that we talked inside ai so that's where the overall um setup is but once you have these um, different layered models, a complex um, neural network model in there and trained with those large language models. What we also have found out is out of the blue, there is an emergence part to it as well that allows them to um, understand and reason out why these things are happening as well. So we're getting closer to the human way of thinking, human way of uh, perceiving things, human way of abstracting things, human way of reasoning, human way of learning. With all these things, we are getting closer and closer, not necessarily to scare people out, but at the same time, these things are feasible and emergence part was a pure, um, no one expected it to happen. That's the where um, the change happened as to, ability to reason out as well. Not only it gives you the answer, and it also reasons out why it said that. And strange that I had to, uh, I happened to listen to a podcast. And then, in that one, ChatGPT 4's performance of a particular stacking up a particular needle, um, books, and eggs and together, it was surprising how it came up with what order it should stack them up and the reasoning for it and, uh, that uh, GPT 4 was able to provide. So, I, I, um, that, that's necessarily the talk of the town, and that, that this, but these buses that we are getting out from the articles are not something uh, fake. It's really true, and it's very uh, uh, good to see the evolution to this point. Yeah, I, I
0: thought it was interesting you made that note about, uh, we, you know, we have a new skill we have to learn about how to form prompts properly. And I remember when search engines came out, you had to learn, you know, this in quotes and plus that and minus this. And, and it was a whole bizarre language. And then it's gotten a little bit easier. Um, AI, hopefully the learning curve won't be that bad. But I've seen some pretty interesting prompts where the prompt is almost longer than
1: the stuff you're going to get out the back end. That's oh right. Uh, I, I'm learning as well. Everyone in this world is learning. But uh, as uh, AI doesn't care how long your prompt is, how long your input is. So it's best in your interest to get the right uh, context and feed it to who you are, what you're asking about, why you're asking this about, and what is the um, overall landscape that it needs to work with. All these things can help AI to understand, or Gen AI, I should say, the LLM models to understand and uh, give you a very appropriate answer. So the better your input is or the prompt is, uh, better the output is going to be.
0: Well, I'm going to make a pivot here, but I'm also going to do a little bit more of an introduction to you, make sure the audience understands. Now, Karthik, a lot of what you've been doing for a long time, machine learning and, and now working on AI models, is you've been working on the threat intelligence side of things for um, for info blocks and making their ability to identify, you know, new stuff, you know, zero days that we've never seen before. Uh, machine learning has been a popular tool, but as you mentioned, as we get higher uh, levels of data and and we get more complex uh, and more advanced models, you start calling it AI. And I know that's where you've been focusing. Uh, so I want to know our, our audience to know where you're coming from on this AI discussion because you're really focusing on threat side. But David, you've been working on the application side. Uh, some of the things you've uh, already been doing is a lot of work uplifting uh, data from like security events and correlating that with network data and the threat intel data you know, that Carthic side's providing and pulling all this data together um, to provide um, you know, a little more than that high, medium, low stuff. And I know you got a lot of stuff on the cart that we can't talk about today. So anybody listening to this in 2023, uh, come back in early 2024. David uh, (laughs) should have some really cool things about um, that he's working on. And that's why I got him because he's really kind of riding a little bit on the bleeding edge. And while we're not going to talk about uh, his projects or products for a variety of reasons, um, the things that he's been learning have really been cool. So I want to take the conversation. We'll start with David Karthik. Again, feel free to keep chiming in. But uh, when it comes to security applications of AI, um, I mean, there's a lot of things that uh, we can do, like we just talked about what Karthik's doing, taking and and using it to identify zero days. But I know some of the big problems that people have is, uh, and are using AI for, is just writing code, uh, and, and doing research. I mean, you don't just sit down and start typing code. Your people have to do research and stuff. And you guys are using AI in a lot of different ways. What are some of the practical ways that you're using AI today?
2: It's a, thanks, Bob. Uh, yeah, the the area that we're talking about in my area, I don't always get to play with the same, same areas <laughs> Karthik does, um, is you know, in the security world, we have certain things that are well, security is fun, but it can be quite tedious too. Right? Um, looking at things like massive amounts of logs, uh, we've got customers that talk to us about, you know, their billion plus logs a day. And you think about uh, just how is that, that sort of thing gonna be able to be something you would go through and look for the important things that are gonna happen in an environment. Um, well, what we've been doing is we're looking at things where in the security world, um, we already are generating massive amounts of this data, logs, vulnerabilities, all kinds of great data. And our areas, our customers keep coming to us and saying, it's too much. <laughs> and so AI to us has been really, really exciting. So if, if the folks that are listening start looking at where AI can solve some problems more than just uh, answering a couple questions or, or writing a birthday card or something to that effect, you start to look at where you can actually look at Karthik's idea of some of the large language models and apply them to just massive amounts of data. So um, in the security world, of course, it's, it's tedious to look through all that. But what if you had an AI engine that looked at some of those areas and said, here's the most important things that happened." So for us, we're looking at things just kind of as a general aspect, um, all the traffic of all of your end users and where they're going, what applications they're using, what countries they're visiting virtually through their browsing, all sorts of things where we can start to correlate. And and Again, this is something cybersecurity experts have been trying to do for years and try to run scripts and try to create new things to try to figure that out. And it's just been a lot of work for those kind of uh, folks. Sometimes we experience burnout looking at that much data, but AI doesn't have an issue with that. AI looks at things 24 hours a day. Go ahead, Bob. Well, I was
0: going to say, and um, something else we talked about uh, as we brainstormed about what this episode could cover was that it's not just taking all that massive data and looking through it and pulling up, here's the most important stuff and showing it to a user. Sometimes it's to share it with something else. Because like Sims, uh, I I had several people on the show talking about Sims and great tool. Everybody should have one as long as you can afford it. Um, And it's that affordability issue that, uh, and and the performance issue that when you start putting all this data into a sim, they start getting slow, and in some cases because of their pricing models, they can start getting expensive. And so That's the important. AI, um, I remember you talking about how the AI could be used to filter through that data and then send the sim only the most important stuff. Again, making the sim more effective, right?
2: That's, that's exactly it. Um, we can send you a billion records, or we can send you 12 <laughs> records with all the details already correlated. Um, and that's the kind of thing, again, we, we want to make it easier. There's been no shortage of cybersecurity workers. And although we keep talking about solving that issue, um, AI could really help us there. Because you know it's been 15, 20 years of us saying we don't have enough cybersecurity workers, and it's still a shortage. Um, if AI takes out some of the tedious work of going through, and that's what we've been looking at as well, and the the promise of AI is really where you can start to apply that really important data and you know the things are happening within that data and help get that from the billion records, like I say, from some customers down to five or 10 in a day of, if you only have an hour, these are the things you really need to look at. These are the most important things and here's why. Um, If we can make that happen through some of the rules and then to some of Karthik's point and such, we already had a lot of the technology. We had the ability to correlate some of this stuff um, When you start adding things like a personality <laughs> to some of these engines, it gets kind of interesting um, where someone feels like they've almost got someone helping them work through things. Um, that's pretty interesting where you actually have something explaining in standard terminology rather than just raw data, this thing went up 10% and that's bad. Well, give me a little more explanation about that. And that's some of the promise that we have of, at least in the generative AI, sitting on top of a large language model and stuff like that. That's, that's kind of neat in that respect um so yeah it's very very exciting for us um and again going through all that yeah it, it it's it's probably one of the biggest areas that's exciting to me and i think to a lot of folks in the industry
0: uh, any comments on practical applications of ai uh karthik other than that before i start talking about where
1: it doesn't work i have to what. um Uh, David talked about, it's the amount of sheer volume of data and the volume of data is never going to go down. It's going to, we have seen several folds of increase since a long time back and it's uh, every day we are seeing it. Um, The ability for AI to um, synthesize all those data and summarize is key use case and uh, we are moving forward with those use cases um, through David's application and uh, bringing it to light in our product as well. So the synthesizing the content and also not to mention as david mentioned the uh, lack of resource on secops and other stuff with more than what we want not everyone is um, aware of the domain so the domain knowledge the gap in the domain knowledge you can easily ask questions to uh, ai engine and then get a very comprehensive and very uh, deep as deep as you want as you go learn more things further, you can go deeper and deeper to understand what you're looking at, how we want to troubleshoot. Not everyone is an SME in every, every domain that we want to. So there are many um, angles through which it can be played out, including in our product. Um, so we are looking forward to very exciting times. Yeah, people don't use the term much anymore, but I think it becomes even more
0: valuable when it comes to AI, and that is garbage in, garbage out. Uh, You're only (laughs) going to get good results if you start getting good information in. Um, But even then, yeah. (laughs) But even then, um, I did want to cover briefly before we go on to another important thing, which is what's happening in the legal front around this. Um, But I did want to talk about some impractical aspects. I I think most people are are already understanding of it. Um, Even in my own writing, I will quite often when I'm doing research on a topic that, you know, I haven't really followed it that closely. I'll ask the AI, what are the top five issues around topic X, Y, or Z? Um, Actually, I don't normally even give it a number. I'll just say, what are the top issues? And then it'll come out and say, oh, here's the five. And I'm looking back at my draft notes, I'm going, oh, I only thought of three. Um, So it's good for that. But um, I don't know, do you think it's anywhere really, I mean, is AI to the point where I can ask it to write a paper
1: and it's gonna produce me final content? Uh, I can go with it, I would take a first stab at it and then David can join. it can um bob surprisingly it can and it has proved itself in many ways where it can provide a very um uh, something that user would uh, look at it and wouldn't be able to figure out whether a real human was behind or it had been purely um uh, synthesized through ai the context being as you said garbage in garbage out it's been what model it's been trained on and there are luckily uh in hugging face and other stuff there are a lot of uh, models already pre-trained on so many parameters with every damn language that you could think of and dictionaries that you could think of and uh, content you could think of um some copyrighted some not so the number of parameters is uh, not widely advertised but uh that said there are Immediately available availability of it real quickly, and then the fact that how you phrase it, how you provide your um, inputs or the prompts to get what you want, can get you the result that you're looking for. And uh, at this day and age, it is uh, already there. That's what I would say. I have already tested it out, and I was surprised with many responses that I got. So um, uh, it's up to the data. And uh, I think we have very rich data that something can yield to that. Any other practical limitations? Yeah, I was going
0: to ask David, are there any other impractical or limitation issues that you see around the AI today?
2: Yeah, we definitely, obviously, in, since I live and breathe the cybersecurity world, um, there, are, there are this aspect of AI engines will, if they don't know the answer, they will make things up. They call them hallucinations. Um, and you can't have the, you can't be rushing or turning off firewall rules and, and and turning off machines and shutting things down because the data triggered something that caused a hallucination so there definitely are aspects of creativity that are wonderful uh story writing poem writing something uh, something i'm terrible at you know i could again add a poem or something i think ai would do better than i would um but you cannot have creativity Uh, other than surmising possible outcomes and such and pointing in different directions. So yeah, there are definitely some of those areas. We've actually found some threats actually now where people are using AI to generate things like um, spam and other areas where they're doing patterns where it's just different enough, where it has some creativity (laughs) and it's being used in some very interesting ways. So, So again, the cybersecurity world on both sides, they're both appropriate and inappropriate areas. And we're learning, we're teaching AI to see AI, it's in Karthik's area. Some of the areas where it's like, okay, so you're going to do, you're going to use AI on me, so now I have to use AI to defend against AI. Anyway, I'm, that's kind of a <laughs> fun area and aspect. of like, We know they're going to use it, and what does it look like? So, um, it, it, I think that responds to a little bit of what you were thinking about, Bob
1: just want to add one more one point to that uh, yeah it can produce content but uh, the data that we fed in needs to be uh, we need to be mindful of the data we feed in so that the content is not biased so there is always this bias issue so um, ai can produce some content which is um, very much oriented towards certain seg- segment if we haven't fed the other segments then it's it's possible to have a bias from that output
0: all right. Well, and speaking of biases, uh there's a lot of legal discussions going on right now. Different groups pushing for different kinds of legislation, and without re- going down the uh political rat hole, um let's start with uh you know just recently um the US White House issued a, a mandate and guidance on what they thought uh we should do to make AI more secure and um so I wanted to talk to you guys about, you know, I mean, because I've seen regulations from uh, a lot of different places. Uh, some of it in the United States at the state level, they've already issued uh, 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 different regulations for it. Um, and they're all over the place as to what they're trying to regulate. Um, what do you think of this uh, this thing from the White House? Was it needed? Does it do anything for us? Uh, Let's we'll start with David.
2: Yeah, uh, I, I, I think the... The White House response is interesting. It's actually more comprehensive than I thought it would be um, as far as covering a lot of areas. The, the big issue is, you know, the, the big thing about AI has currently been people don't always understand it. And there's been a lot of fear. So because of the fear, there's a lot of pieces of that new AI regulation. Um, and there's a lot of it that's not quite gelled yet. You can tell uh, throughout that area. Um, and it's something that I think that the folks really needed to have some feeling that the government is doing something around that. Now, whether or not that's going to be something that's copied all over, uh, we see that there's some states have already had some regulations. We see the federal government tried to centralize it for our United States federal government. And I imagine we're going to see similar types of regulations in different countries as well. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it, they've done some good things, though. Um, there were some specific aspects of it um, calling out that in the cybersecurity world. Um, that AI should be used to help find things like vulnerabilities. And that's a fantastic use case. It's, it's difficult to do. And the fact that they're looking to actually codify that in the law um, makes me very, very happy. So there is some great things that have happened to that. I think, it, I think it's a good thing. I think it's a great start.
0: Well, and that's a that's a big difference than what I think a lot of people are expecting. You know, so many of the laws are, uh, "Thou shalt not use AI for this." Thou, uh, you AI people shall not. You know, keep this data. You, you know, it's a lot of don't, 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 don't. Um, but yeah. this one here, it does actually have some uh, some guidance about how to apply AI. That it's not just a bad thing, um, and I, that was kind of refreshing because so often we have new technologies come out and everybody focuses on the negative and they tend to keep overlooking uh, the benefits of it. Um, I know the first reviews that I saw on that White House regulation was that, well, a lot of the things they're saying, you know, don't use it this way, these are some best practices for managing the data that Karthik was talking about. Um, A lot of the big AI players were already doing that. They'd announced their own guidelines and were following that. Um, But
1: uh, Karthik, other thoughts you have on this? I think regulation is good, it's a good start because uh, there are a lot of, uh, you would have seen yourself on the deep fake uh, content as to voice and uh, interpretation of the images and stuff so uh, at least at minimal we need to show these are um, AI generated, that way people are not uh, put um, uh, put into trouble on those things. So uh, regulation is good, but I think I'll be looking a close eye on the euro side as well as to how they are regulating, how these things are evolving. Uh, for the most part, it's uh, it's been lobbied across as well. So uh, we have to see across as to how it evolves. into. It's an initial start. I think one way or other, the industry is going to get regulated. It's good uh, that we are starting on that context.
0: Yeah, and, and I'm not uh, overlooking the, the point that uh, David even alluded to early on, that a lot of it is to give people peace of mind. Uh, A lot of it is political positioning. Um, I uh, remember uh, on the White House one in particular, it's talking, it's a lot about privacy, um, which uh, one uh, analyst kind of pointed out was a little um, interesting when, you know, most of the other G20 countries have all these privacy laws and the U.S. is so resistant to those privacy laws. And now all of a sudden, AI has got to do things that other industries don't. Um, So... Uh yeah, I think a lot of it uh it's all good and it's stuff I think needs to be done. It's just sad that uh some of it um, you know, like a lot of laws on the book, it depends on whether they'll actually start enforcing it and uh and executing on it. Um but again, I was really excited with the positive guidance on, hey, we need to start using AI for this, that, and the other. Um and uh, so not only the work you guys are using, applying AI within various security tools and uh, dealing with massive data, making it more meaningful, um, but just actually in the development of, of code. I mean, I know we've got uh, processes uh, at Infoblox where uh, our code is checked ahead of time to avoid vulnerabilities and stuff like that. Um, but even that technology, like every security tool out there, it's got limits and AI can hopefully take that up to uh, another level. Um, Unfortunately, uh, my watch is telling me that we are about out of time and my watch may or may not have AI. I'm still not sure on that. Um, Any final comments on AI other than uh, just watch this space
1: um, from either of you? Karthik, any last thoughts? I I think it's a very interesting space and how it's evolving. Uh, I think uh, we are getting closer and closer. That said, I think in the positive sense, um, it will will do a lot of good to the society than bad and uh, we will adapt to how others are using it and uh, to the fact that anything of course it cuts both ways it will have its own bad side of it but we'll we'll figure out we will adapt to it and I think it has a lot of good to offer to the society as such. All right David
2: I would agree also that it's very positive um, but knowledge uh, removes fear. So there is reason to fear when you don't know about something so a lot of information is coming out i think it's very important for everyone to do listen to podcasts and things like this learn about <laughs> ai learn about what it could be and why it could bring to yourself rather than just the news aspects of hey it's scary it's coming for jobs and things like that get an mm-hmm. idea of what it can do because i think it really has the ability to be transformative in a lot of areas not just my areas in cybersecurity, <laughs> but i mean around the world whether it's a a, a toaster that can make perfect toast or not, Bob. Um, uh, that's yeah. Um, but I think that it has a chance to change a lot of lives in a positive way. But I think people really need to be aware of it, um, no matter what your uh, walk of life is, and because of, it's going to be everywhere. So I think it's a great thing, and I'm glad everyone learns about it.
0: All right, and I'll have uh, both of you back hopefully
2: uh, early next year uh, when you are
0: starting to actually release some of the things that uh, I happen to know you're working on that are uh, exciting and we've only started scratching the surface. So we'll have some good stuff to talk about uh, after the new year. So uh, I'll welcome you back. And in the meantime, um, uh, I'm just going to say thank you for being on the show. Karthik, uh, David, thank you. Likewise, Bob.
2: Thanks for having us.
0: And I want to thank all of our viewers and listeners for your time as well. Join us next time as we continue our efforts to help you stay on top of cybersecurity and ahead of cyber risks on Threat Talk.